Hello there, I'm Pastor John. Thank you for joining us today. There are a lot of ways to engage here at Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene, but we truly do thank you for listening here. If you haven't heard, we're also on Spotify now with the same great content. For more information about our church, you can check us out on the web at abeaconofhope.org. That's abeaconofhope.org. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook. We're live each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. And you can find us on Instagram as well. Well, this morning we're going to open up a God's Word to Philippians chapter 3. So if you have uh, your copy of Scripture, if you could turn there. Um, that's where we're going to end up eventually. Uh, it'll take us a minute to get there, but if you are ready and just camped out there, uh, then we'll catch up there together in a minute. I, I want to talk to you today again about this concept of me. Uh, that's where we've been camped out in our series called More Than Me. Uh, I, I don't know, I won't ask you to raise your hand because most of us in this room wouldn't admit how many of us like infomercials, you know? Every now and then though, somebody in the room like me, maybe you couldn't sleep, you know, I've got like a lot of kids, so there was like a, you know, one of them was up all night, and you just turn on the TV, and there it is, in the middle of the night, they're promising you some great product, and it's always centered around this concept of me. What do I need? Ooh, I need nose clippers that can, I, you know, I don't know what, it, I need scissors that can cut a penny. That's all, you know, whatever it is, it's promising me something great and incredible that I didn't know that I needed, but now I know that I need it and it's me. Like, this is our marketing strategy. Have it your way. It's all about me, man, what I want, what I need. And we've been talking in this series that me is good. I, I like you. I think you're great. In fact, God's word says that you're great. Uh, but if it's all about you, in the end, that will be a very fleeting life. There'll be something really empty about that kind of a life. God has way more in store for you than what you can do on your own. And so that's where we come uh, together today. I'm going to begin reading from Acts chapter 26, and I'll explain why in a minute. I'm going to read the account of Paul. Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He wrote many of the books that we read in the New Testament including Philippians chapter 3 that we'll get to in a minute. But in Acts 26, Paul is giving an account. He's standing before a king, uh, really on trial, and he's giving an account of his story, his story of how God transformed his life. And so uh, just these uh, verses will be on the screen behind me. This is Paul sharing uh, before King Agrippa the transformation that happened in his life. Here it is. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus. This is Paul talking with the authority and commission of the chief priests. And about noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road and I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now pause for a minute. You're saying, well, Saul, who is Saul? That was who he was. His name was Saul. And his mission was persecuting Christians. Anything he could to tear down the cause of Christ. That's what he did. And this account is specifically, he's on the road again to go and arrest and put Christians in jail. And God reveals himself to him. But as I read this, maybe I'm the only one in the room. I mean, God, God speaks to him, says, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he mentions kicking against the goads. Now, maybe I'm the only one in the room that has no idea what a goad is. I bet that's not true. I asked Siri, and Siri thought I said goat. So it gave me all these pictures of Tom Brady, greatest of all time quarterback, six Super Bowl champ. And I'm like, no, 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 Siri. I don't mean greatest. I know Tom Brady's the greatest, thanks. 
I mean goad. What is a goad? And so uh, you, you may not know this. I didn't. A goad was a tool. It was a stick that they used uh, back then in, in the first century. And on one end of it was kind of dull and the other end was pointed. And if you had oxen or a strong animal that you had to point in the right direction, you would use the goad. You would kind of encourage it along. Now, if the animal cooperated, this was a pretty easy task. But every now and then, a strong ox or an animal with a lot of courage would resist the authority. We would try to push, kick against the goad. And if an animal were to kick against the goad, it would be way more painful and a lot more suffering for them along the way. And so what the voice of the Lord is saying is, Saul... Don't kick against the go. Don't resist. Don't push back on what I am calling you to do. Let's see what happens as he continues. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? Well, I am Jesus who you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And in this story, in Acts chapter 26, this account is one of the greatest stories of transformation in history. One of the greatest stories, how one man's purpose could be forever changed. Think about it. He was Saul, and his purpose was to destroy the cause of Christ. And on that road, his life was forever changed. And his purpose radically changed to now, instead of opposing the way of Christ, pursuing the way of Christ. Now we fast forward to Philippians chapter 3. This same guy, Paul, the same guy that that story was about, the same guy that was sharing in front of the king all that happened to him, now he is in jail. The man that once put Christians into jail now finds himself in jail for what? Proclaiming Christ, for preaching Christ. That this purpose that he pursued ultimately has led him now to be in chains, enslaved. And in Philippians chapter 3, we're going to read his words as he writes in his prison cell, chained to the wall, uh, ultimately on death row, we're going to read some words, some challenging words he writes to believers in the church there in Philippi. And as uh, Paul is here, he's writing in chapter 3 about all his accomplishments, all the good things that he has done, all the things that if he were bragging about himself, man, he would brag about all these things. But then we get to verse 7 of Philippians 3, and this is what it says. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You see, if you read uh, Philippians 3, Paul makes kind of a list, kind of a bold list of all the things that he has going for him. And we've, throughout this series, we've been using uh, the mirror to kind of illustrate me. Because all of us, hopefully today, at some point, you looked in one of these. Now, some of you need it a little bit longer than others. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying, at some point, you come to the mirror and you're like, how am I doing today? Whoa! You know, I, that's, that's my reaction when I see me in the morning. Whoa! You know, Lord, help this. And, you know, right, that's me. But we've been talking all series about this idea of me. And so we've been using this as kind of an illustration. So this morning, I, I want to use Paul's example of me to talk about this idea of purpose. 
that Paul is presenting kind of his case and his argument that if, if it was just about him, me, these are the things that he has going for him. And so I'm going to write some of them here. The first would be actions, accomplishments, that he, was, he had accomplished some things in his life. And that was, that was significant. Uh, he goes on to say not just his actions, but his reputation. His reputation, that Paul had a reputation uh, when he was Saul, right? He had a reputation among his community. He was important. He was valuable. His opinion mattered. People looked to him for leadership. Not just that, but he goes on to talk about his social status, that he was somebody important in the culture, in the day, that he had, sta- I mean, there were people that would look to him as kind of in, in the elite part of the well-known, the well-to-do part of the culture. And then he goes on not to just say that, but he goes on to also talk about his effort and, and his passion, that he was somebody that had zeal. I mean, that he could, he worked hard and he did things well. And so his effort and his passion were remarkable. And so if Paul is talking about just me, these are all the things that he had going for him. But in Philippians chapter 3, Paul makes a pretty bold statement. He was saying, if everything on this mirror is in the plus column for me, everything on here is what I have going for me, and by the way, it's a pretty good amount. I've got a pretty good list. He's saying, all of this is a loss compared to the way of Christ. Everything on that side, that was my gain. Everything that I could look in the mirror and feel so good about myself compared to the way of Christ, man, that's, that's nothing. It's nothing. It's a loss. In fact, he says, everything is a loss compared to Christ for whose sake I have lost everything. And he's not being, he's not exaggerating. He really has lost everything. He's writing in prison, chained. For all that he's done is proclaim the name of Christ. So he has lost everything for the sake of Christ, and still he says, I don't want that stuff. Let's continue reading what it says in verse 8. He says, actually, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith, through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of, of faith. I want to know Christ, he says in verse 10. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is a living example of a life transformed. And and today we're going to, there's a lot of things we could talk about here, but we're going to look at this passage specifically through the lens of purpose. Remember, I began this morning by sharing that there is no greater example of a life whose purpose was radically changed. The purpose of opposing Christ, of doing everything I could and then radically changed to now. He has so pursued the way of Christ that he's he's in a jail cell, risking his life for the cause of Christ. This morning, I want to talk to you about two really simple ideas, okay? The first, I want you to think about with me this idea of my purpose, the purpose of me, that if it's about me, my purpose, who I am. And this is what Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 9. He says, not having a righteousness of my own. That's how you would define kind of my purpose. My purpose, if it's just about me, then it's about my righteousness. And that's a huge word. That's a big, that's a, that's a church word. That word righteousness just literally means being in right relationship with God. And so what Paul is saying, if it's about my purpose, 
then it's about my righteousness, that I have to do it. I have to be good enough. I have to be impressive enough. My actions and my reputation and my social status and my efforts, and my, all of that has to line up perfectly if it's about my purpose, my vision for my life. And the truth is today, there is nothing wrong with wanting purpose. There's nothing wrong with having a vision for your life. There's nothing wrong with being motivated, right? None of those things are wrong except our sinful nature that within us, that sin, that brokenness within us will always lead us back to something that's less than God's best for us. That if this is all there is, that at some point it will not be enough. You'll be looking around saying, is this really all there is? Is this really what it's all about? Because if it's just me and my purpose alone, it will be fleeting. Do you know, even in church today, there are those of us that would claim to know Jesus and be Jesus followers, but we're living a righteousness of our own. Not faith in Christ, but a righteousness based on my reputation and my actions and what I do and what I've accomplished. I was doing some reading and studying on this and uh, there's a, a great author and speaker, Francis Chan. He wrote a book, and in his book called Crazy Love, he talks about this idea that sometimes as believers, we, we try to build our righteousness on our own efforts and what we can do. And I came up with a list. I, I would call this the righteousness of me. The righteousness of me. That there are people this morning, and, and you're here, and you're a good person, and, and you're a moral person, and you live and you follow the rules. Man, I was a rule follower. And man, all of that is good, but ultimately, if we're not careful, all we're doing is seeking out my purpose with the righteousness based on me. And these are some attributes. These challenge me. Uh, the righteousness of me. This is what it looks like in our world today. That this kind of person attends church fairly regularly because it is expected. This kind of person chooses what is popular over what is right because it desires to fit in both at church and outside church. That the righteousness of me does not want to be saved from sin, just the penalty of sin. The righteousness of me does not really believe the new life Jesus offers is better than the old life of sin. The righteousness of me will serve God and others, but with limitations. The righteousness of me does whatever is necessary to stay in my comfort zone. You see, the righteousness of me does not really live by faith because we structure life in such a way that faith isn't necessary. Ultimately, the righteousness of me does not love Jesus as much as it loves self. It loves him some, but loves self more. And ultimately, if we're talking about the purpose of me, my purpose, we're talking about a group of people that love God, but man, we love us way more. And so I, I'm going to live for me. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get ahead. I, I'm going to make a name for myself. I mean, that, that's a dangerous path to begin going down because ultimately what we are doing is we are doing what we want and saying, hey God, would you bless it? I'm going to live how I want to live and oh God, would you help me? I'm going to do what I want to do, and then when there's a moment of difficulty, oh, God, help. That is not the purpose that God has for you. You see, what Paul is saying is really profound here. 
because he's kind of really showing us a contrast between my purpose, but then my second point is this, not just my purpose, but his purpose for me. His purpose for me, God's purpose for me. Look again at what it said in verse 10 and 11 that Paul says, I want to know Christ and I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. So somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying something really profound. I want to know Christ. Well, you've never seen him. I mean, yeah, you heard his voice once, but Paul, you've never met Christ. You're not like high five, pounded up buddies with him. What do you mean you want to know him? Paul's not just talking either. He's not just talking about knowledge. He's not just talking about head knowledge. No, no, he's talking about an experience with Christ that makes a difference. Because you see, the problem is that my purpose, my purpose begins with me. But his purpose for me begins with him. My purpose for me begins with me, and that's great, but that's, that's limited. And maybe not for you, but for me, man, I fall short. That's frustrating, and it's empty, and it's fleeting. But, but his purpose for me doesn't begin with me, 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 me. No, it begins with him. What, what does he want? And so Paul's saying, I want to know Christ. That's where my purpose comes from. It begins with him, with his purpose. There's nothing wrong with me, but often if it's just me, I'm missing what he wants to do in me and through me. My purpose, my purpose is about my power, but his purpose for me is about his power. <laughs> See, there's two ways that Paul says he wants to know Christ. The first is through this idea of resurrection. That's really cool and really powerful and crazy, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the second thing is he says, I want to know Christ through suffering. And that is where I really wish he didn't say it. We, we talked about this last week, if you weren't here, that suffering in our lives, the brokenness in our lives, so many times, so many times we see that as kind of a dead end. We see that as kind of the dream is over. We, but actually, last week we talked about if we allow it to, God can redeem and use our suffering, and through it, he can actually give us hope. He can actually give us today a purpose, that in your pain, I'm not saying God purposed your pain, but I'm saying even in your pain, there can be a divine purpose for it, if you allow God to use it. But, but Paul is not just speaking in generalities here. He's speaking about something very specific. Because you see, the way of Jesus what was the way of the cross? Literally, Jesus would say that to his disciples. He would say, if you want to follow after me, you got to take up your cross and follow. And sometimes in our culture, we see the cross as kind of a symbol, a Christian symbol. Or, but in Jesus' day and age, the cross, that meant way more. The cross meant suffering. The cross meant punishment. The cross meant criminal that's what the cross meant. And so Jesus is saying, if you want to come after me, you're going to have to learn to identify with that. Whew, that's a hard sell. But you see, Jesus isn't asking us. He wasn't asking, well, he might have been. He might have been saying, hey, hey, Paul, you might have to literally give your life for the sake of the gospel. But for many of us in this room today, we're not being asked to do that. We might one day, I don't know. But today, in this moment, that's not what the Lord's asking of you. He's not asking you to physically die. No, no, in fact, Jesus already did that on the cross. 
He took your place. He stood in the gap for you. So that we're not talking here about a physical death. We're talking about a a spiritual death. When Paul is saying, I want to know Christ. I want to know his suffering. What he is saying is, I want to be crucified with Christ. I want something inside of me to die because I want something in me to truly live. You see, you can't talk about resurrection without first talking about death. How do you resurrect something that is not dead yet? Right? That's not a resurrection. That's like a, that's like a remodel or something, right? In order to resurrect something, in order to experience resurrection, there's got to be a death. So what Paul is saying is, I want to know Christ And I want to identify so much with him that there is something in me that dies. There is something in me that while it's great and while it's got a great reputation and my social status, but ultimately, man, I put all that to death. Why? Because I want to experience resurrection power. I want to experience resurrection life. And so I, I identify with the suffering. I identify with the death of Jesus. Why? Because once I allow that thing in me to die, then I can truly live. That's what he's saying. That's what's powerful. We die to self. Once we die to self, we can be raised to new life, new purpose, new hope, new freedom. But it only comes when we agree to die to me. I want to tell you Wanda's story. Wanda is a story of resurrection. She's part of our church. She sat right in this row just in the last service. And her story is one of brokenness. She tells that in the summer of 2015, she became addicted to drugs and ultimately it quickly landed her in jail where she had to spend six months, the lowest point of her life, rock bottom. She knew at this point, sitting there in her jail cell, that she could not do it on her own. So she says, for the first time in 20 years, I opened a Bible and began to pray. She said, I knew that without God in my life, I could not give up the addiction and I had no hope. But his power would make all the difference, she said. So on August 1st, 2017, with the help of one of our pastors, she rededicated her life to Christ right there in the jail. After being released, she started going to church right here at HFCN and she attended Celebrate Recovery on Monday nights, which has given her a lot of hope and a lot of healing. She says she now volunteers with the outreach ministry here. She serves as a greeter. I see her out front often. She serves at Hope Distributed, blessing, helping, serving others who have needs. God has shown me, she says, that he has a new purpose for me as I serve others. Without God in this church, I wouldn't be where I am, she says. But I love the Lord, and I have a passion to share Jesus with those in need. And then she said these uh, five words. (laughs) I am living my purpose. (laughs) I mean, do you see how it is? Man, there's different kinds of people in the room. Some of us in the room, we've got a lot of good stuff on our mirror. We've got a lot of good things going for us. But some of you in the room, man, your life is broken. And it's a mess. And it's in shambles. And maybe you think God cannot use you. I'm here to tell you that we serve a God of resurrection power. Do you know the resurrection was not just an event, a past tense event that happened in history? It is. It happened. But do you know we believe that the resurrection power of God is happening, right? right? Listen, go back to school with me for a minute, right? Past tense happened. 
present tense, happening. Right, right? We believe that the resurrection power of God, it is happening here today. It can happen on Monday morning. It can happen on Tuesday in your hall at school. Wherever you are, the resurrection power of God can be at work. Why? Even in your brokenness, even in your junk, even when you stand face to face in the mirror with yourself and say, man, I can't do it anymore. God's saying, man, but I have a purpose for you. It's far greater than what you can see. It's far better than, yeah, you're good, man. You're good, but, but I've got something even greater. I'm talking today about the power of God's purpose for your life. And, and listen, it changes us. It changes us. This is what the power of God's purpose does. Instead of saying, what can I do? That's this. The power of God's purpose says, what can he do? Through me. In me. Right? The purpose of me, my purpose says, well, what can I do? What can I? But God's purpose is, what can he do in me? This is the power of God's purpose. Instead of what can I accomplish, it's, God, what can you accomplish through my life? If I would let you, if I give you permission, what is it that you can accomplish? An all-powerful God, a God that raised Jesus from the dead, that kind of God, what could he do in my life if I give him permission? Instead of, instead of my spotlight, it's his glory. You see the difference? This is about my spotlight. Everybody look at me, look at what I'm doing. Look at but this is about his glory. That even if, even if everything's not going, man, God can get glory from my life. I can point other people to him. What a purpose. Instead of, I want to be famous, God's purpose says, I want to be faithful. Wherever I am, whatever you call me to do. See, the best purpose we find is not in the purpose of me, but in God's purpose for us. It's more than dreaming. It's more than your work. It's more than a collection of tasks. It is more than me. See, the problem is, I, I, I fear sometimes that we, we might have churches filled with good people and moral people and even generous people, but they are living their purpose and not God's. They're living a, a righteousness based on me and what I can do. They've not allowed the power of God to change the trajectory of their life. This morning, I, I want to ask you um, for a minute, would you, just, would you just bow your heads for a minute and close your eyes? And we're going to just dim the lights for a minute because uh, literally every week in this series, we just take a look in the mirror. We just take a moment to reflect and to say... God, how am I doing? So today, I'm going to ask you to do that. Not literally, but just with your eyes closed. You're not distracted. You're just thinking about you, your life, your purpose. Why are you here? What is it that God's calling you to do? Maybe you've never even asked that question. But today, do you believe that resurrection is possible? Do you believe in your pain today that resurrection is possible? Do you believe in your brokenness, in your pride that resurrection is possible? Do you believe today in your apathy, in your comfort zone that resurrection is possible? Do you believe today in your dead dreams, your dreams that have died? Do you believe even there resurrection is possible in your convenient faith? Is resurrection possible? in your lack of purpose. Is resurrection possible? This morning, I, I just want to pray for you. 
if, if you identify with anything I just said, and you say, man, I, I need some resurrection in my life because I, I'm doing the me thing too much, and the purpose of me is fleeting. Today, I want God's resurrection for me. I want his purpose for me. If that's you, I just want to pray with you right now. This is between you and God. I, I don't need to know. I, I care. But this is your opportunity to just say, God, I want your purpose for my life. I don't want to live for me anymore. The band's going to come, and they're going to help us in a minute, close the service, but as they do, we're just going to pray now. Could we do that all around this room? Could we just pray just between you and the Lord? God, we, today we admit that my purpose, the purpose of me, God, is not enough. It's fleeting. And there's an emptiness in it. And there's a dead end in it that is just not enough. If that's all there is, God, today we just admit it's not enough. So today you're calling us to more than me, more than my purpose for my life, God. You're asking to give us your purpose for us. Help us to see that, God, that your power, the resurrection power is available to us. We just, we got to stop making it all about me and be willing today in faith to say, God, I die to self. Lord, that sounds easy, that's painful, but all around this room today, I pray for my brothers and sisters and, and my friends and those that showed up today, that they would have the willingness to just say, I, I die to myself. I'm not going to let it be about me anymore. Because when I die to self, that's when your resurrection power can really take hold, can really take root. And so, Lord, I'm praying today. I'm praying all around this room for resurrection power to show up in our lives, in our purpose. Give us your vision, Lord, for our lives. Give us vision. Some of us in this room think that we're too far gone. Think that there's nothing that, and God, it's a lie. And today, would you show us your power? available in our lives. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we believe in faith that you hear us, that today we're not talking about a righteousness of me, a righteousness of my own. No, no, no. That you stood in our place and you made a way to get beyond ourselves to something much greater. We love you and we thank you. This morning, would you just stand all around the room? Uh, we're going to close this service. We're going to worship. And do you know what worship is, like, profoundly? Do you know what it is? It's placing the spotlight back on God. And you know why that's profound? Because do you know that one of the greatest temptations we face in our day-to-day -day lives is just making it all about me, the spotlight on me. What do I need? What do I want? And do you know what? When we worship, what we're profoundly saying is, God, it is not about me. I'm putting the spotlight on you. So what a profound way that we could close this time together. Say, I die to self, God. I put the spotlight on you. It is all about you. And so that's what we're going to do now, God. We, we worship you now. We worship you because you're worthy. And we just, we put the spotlight on you. And we thank you. We thank you that there is resurrection life today in this room available to us. And so now we just sing. We just worship. We point the spotlight back to you because you are worthy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thanks again for listening here today. If you enjoyed it and want to engage more, you can subscribe to this podcast through our website, abeaconofhope.org. 
That's abeaconofhope.org. Or if you're a Spotify user like me, you can search for us there and subscribe directly there as well. If you happen to be anywhere in the Shenandoah Valley here in Virginia, we'd love for you to join us at 1871 Boyers Road, Rockingham, Virginia. We meet each Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and then again at 11.45 a.m. in Spanish. Celebrate Recovery also meets here each and every Monday night at 6 p.m. Thanks again, and we look forward to meeting you soon.